Guys, I have another special person. I hope y'all don't get tired of me saying that, but I'm serious when I say that. She is absolutely beautiful. You, when you see her Instagram, you're going to love her. (laughs) She is amazing. Oh my gosh. I cannot do justice of the work that she's putting out into the earth. So I'm going to let Tony introduce herself. Come on in and tell us who you are and what you do. All right. Well, my name is Tony Suttles. For those watching who are not familiar with my work, I am the founder of My Well-Read Child. Um, I host in-person book fairs and online virtual readings. Um, I started my business three years ago, and I started it because I am a self-published author. And as a self-published author that does not have a publishing house behind them, it's kind of hard to get books in front of our target audiences. My target audience is black and brown children across America. And I wanted to create a platform with like-minded individuals like myself who created books for black and brown children uh, just to have, I wanted to create a, a, a platform for us a growing platform, a network for us, and a safe place for us. So that is how I founded the Mildbow Red Child. Our slogan is, every child deserves to see themselves represented in the books that they read. You know, in America, we have a problem um, with our forms of media. Sometimes black and brown children or just people in general are not reflected um, positively. So I wanted to pretty much bring a solution to that problem in the form of literacy. Uh, childhood literacy, children's books. So basically that's who I am. I've authored two books, two children's books myself, and I am just out here in the community, strapping up the boots, um, getting these uh, books out here. I work with very well-known authors and um, novelist authors, authors who have just started out, who want to get their feet wet, who want to get their books in these book fairs, who want to get their, have their book hosted on our website. I also have a monthly subscription box where children can get books delivered to them monthly. So it's, I mean, it's, my, my business is very like multifaceted, like we're doing a lot right now. And I have, partnered with some very 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 amazing authors are you spreading a loving message if you are uplifting black children in these black books absolutely um i believe what i'm doing is definitely spreading the love message um just helping build black and brown children self-confidence you know, I feel like from a very early age, we, we see negative programming and messaging through via, you know, um, the media. And I think that it rose at black and brown children's self-confidence. And when their self-confidence is low, other areas in their life will suffer, how they view themselves, um, how they're receiving education. And I feel like, you know, b- black books with positive messages that uplift and motivate them and inspire them is definitely a message of love. And I want to make a point and I want to make it very clear to people who are out there listening. Black books, Black children books are definitely for white children. I think it's very important for white children to be able to see Black and brown babies celebrated on the same exact level that they are because that evens the playing field and there is not a sense of superiority that they may grow up with. You know, when they see, I feel like, you know, when the message 
is spread that black and brown children are less than, they grow up believing those messages too. And that is what feeds and fuels racism. So books that positively uplift, inspire, and motivate definitely is for all children. That, that uplift, motivate, and inspire Black children is for all children. And it's definitely a message of love and not hate. Anybody that looks at it and see it as the vision or hate needs to really look in the mirror and have a hard look at themselves and ask themselves why they believe that that is a message of hate. We start talking about trying to better our families is usually around other cultures that do not look like us. That that right there, that statement, we really need to be like, why is that? Do we got to keep having this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> and do we have to still like, I mean, I feel like my well-read child, when I curate the books that are in my book fairs and that are available online in my bookstore, I really seek out authors who are kind of like getting out of the same, telling the same narrative. Like, okay, yes, we have overcame, we're overcoming. And yes, as Black people, we have struggles here in America, but Black children don't want to read about um, little David, you know, doing, having to sit in at you know, fighting white supremacy at seven. Like that, those are tough topics. Like black children, brown children, they want to see just them read. As, as princesses and superheroes and time traveling and wizards and, you know, things like things that white kids have the privilege of enjoying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why we always got to fight the power? Like our kids won't deserve to be kids too. All right, beautiful people. I'm so glad you guys are tuning in. Let me tell you, you are in for a treat because this wonderful incredible amazing i can continue to go on beautiful lady here ah oh, where do i start i saw her on instagram and i instantly fell in love with her what she's doing her talents when i tell you okay y'all gonna want to follow her like right now tondalea please can you introduce yourself Hi, my name is Tondalea. Um, Takapu is my last name, but everyone calls me T. Well, I would say in the last two years, everyone calls me Miss T because that's what the rascals call me. Um, I run a STEM program called um, Club Lab Rascals. That's us on Instagram, on Facebook. We're on Twitter, but we're not really on Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, we're called Club Lab Rascals and we're really just about I'm exposing kids to um, STEM at a very, very young age. So STEM is in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, and a big, our big focus is um, really representation and really getting black and brown kids um, interested in STEM and hopefully they pipeline into um, STEM, to be STEM professionals, that's the goal. <laughs> That's amazing because I want to just talk about the black and brown skin, not being interested in STEM. And actually, as we go through history, this black history, right? Um, mm -hmm. Don't we have incredible, amazing, historical, you know? Absolutely. Like, like that is like a yeah. total misnomer. Like it is not true that black and brown people are not interested in STEM. We're underrepresented in the field because we're not giving the same resources um, as other communities. So 
if you're not exposed to something, then how are you going to have an interest in it? Wow. I mean, we can just talk on that. Like, really? So um, what made you step up to the challenge? Because I'm sure it wasn't just like, I had this idea and everything just fell in place. Or did it? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's so funny. Um, I was talking to my husband and he was like, someone was like, so what made you become an entrepreneur? I was like, I did not decide to become an entrepreneur. Like that was never like on my roadmap. Like I I, I, I just didn't um, think of it that way. Um, so to give a little history about me, I've always been into educating kids. Um, I'm in the Air Force. I've been in the Air Force almost 19 years now. Um, and I'm from inner city Detroit. So I did not have the best school system. Um, and that's a whole nother story of just my, my education. But um, when I um, joined the Air Force, every single base that I've ever been stationed at, I've, I've tutored in a local community. Um, I tutored at elementary schools when I was in Japan on base. So it was Americans, I don't know Japanese. <laughs> and I uh, then I went to Florida. Um, I tutor kids in a program called Saturday Scholars in Florida. And it's crazy that those kids um, are on Instagram and they're in their 20s now. <laughs> and um, then when I got stationed in DC, I tutored um, with this program called For the Love of Children. So I've just always kind of been an educator at heart when it comes to elementary school kids because um, I just really get them. And I people always say I have a lot of patience for kids because I just talk to them like, I just treat them like people and they're just fun. So I just love to, to listen to them. I actually love to listen to kids because I just think they're so intriguing and they just always have something to say. And I think so many times, you know, a lot of times we're so busy that we don't have the patience to listen to them because it takes them a long time to get it out. <laughs> so, but I, I have that patience. So I'm like, really, really? So, you know, most parents don't like when their kids are like, well, why, why? Well, I'm going to, I keep going. <laughs> so, so that kind of let me know that teaching was kind of in my core when it comes to educating. Um, and then, so I started having kids. My oldest um, is six. And my husband is an electrical engineer. I um, do cybersecurity. So we are both in the STEM field. And um, we were very like proactive in exposing our kids. We live in Prince George's County, Maryland, which is predominantly black. It's a, a very um, black area. But I was having to drive to Northern Virginia to, you know, drive into the city, into Northwest DC, to, to certain areas that were considered prestigious to expose them to these things. And it frustrated me. So I was like, well, you know, I'm smart enough to do this. I'm gonna start my own program. Well, I didn't think program. I just said, I'm going to put some STEM in my community. So it really started off as like, I called it STEM Saturdays. I sent out an Evite to like, my kids were in daycare. They weren't in school yet. So I would just send it to like my friends that had kids the same age, their their parents in the daycare. And they would just come over my house like one Saturday a month in my living room. We didn't have furniture. And I would rent these little tables and I would set it up all cute. And I would just, we would just do something. Um, it got really popular. <laughs> it was like 25 kids in my living room. And I was like, okay. I want this out of my living room. So my goal really was to 
get out my living room. It was never to be this national <laughs> business that like 500 kids would do. That was that was not on, 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 you know, my mind at the time. It was just really, you know, bringing something to my community that I wanted for my kids. And I just feel like um, what my kids have, a lot of kids don't have. My kids have parents that are in STEM, so we kind of know. But what I didn't have is kind of a lot of parents. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. So we wanted to be that to our community. So that's that, how we started. <laughs> that is amazing that we need to become this. It's inside of you. And I feel like as I just continue to study my own history, how can people not go to higher education and still have the highest education? You know what I mean? Like- right. Right. <laughs> so many people in our community did incredible things under the circumstances because you already have intelligence. I and need we're just very The things that we will invent, I feel like we are natural inventors, just period. <laughs> <laughs> just think of the things that like you, if you in a black household, the things that we use stuff for that that's really not what it's supposed to be used for, but we make it work. Like, I just feel like that's really kind of part of who we are. We're just a very resilient group of people. We are just very resilient and resourceful and, um, I think that's what scientists are. That's what engineers are. That's what, you know, that's kind of part of us. Okay, so I first met this beautiful lady in a homeschool group on Facebook. And when I followed her, she just blew my mind. And if y'all ever read her bio on the internet, let me tell you, it's incredible. So Jade, I want you to come and introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, so hi, I'm Jade. I'm homeschooling mom of one. Um, yeah, I'm in a lot of Facebook homeschool groups. And at that time, my daughter and I had decided to road school. So we were going to travel across the U.S. This was before COVID hit. And we wanted to like meet up with other homeschool families to like show the different ways that families can homeschool because everybody thinks that there's just this one way you're supposed to do it and I have not met one family that homeschools the exact same way as another homeschooling family yeah so um interestingly enough I started homeschooling because my daughter asked to be homeschooled so I am a product of public schools I worked for the public school system even though I felt there was a lot of things that needed to be fixed I felt like I might have been the advocate or the voice for that change but once I actually got into my career working, I realized that there would have to be like a major national shift to actually change the school system in the way it is right now. So I started teaching online so that I would have the flexibility to teach the way I wanted to. And my daughter, she wasn't having like major issues at school, but she wasn't being challenged. And so they want to accelerate her. There was just a whole bunch of issues around that. And one day she came home and asked if she could be homeschooled. And I said, yeah, we'll do that. And the first thing I realized that I was doing wrong was trying to mirror school in my home. So the schedule, we we're like doing 30 minute blocks of math and English and science. That wasn't working. One, because I already had a business. I had to, I was working from home and then I had to also schedule her in to teach her. So we took a year off. We traveled for a year. We um, went to, I want to say the first time we left the country, we left and went to nine different countries. So we world school first and that entire nine months, we didn't have like any structured schooling, I would say, but there was a ton of learning that was taking place. And then 
we've changed it a couple of times. We tried like the K-12 school and then that's where I realized I'm like, oh, this is just school at home. So yeah. we stopped doing um, so we've, we've changed our, our routine and our structure a lot. We, uh, we adjust as we go. So if something's not working, I'm like, Hey, if it's not working, we'll try something else. So, um, and one thing I say, like, I know a lot of parents feel like this is the one I always hear. Like, I'm not a teacher. How am I supposed to teach them? I don't want to mess up. I feel like I'm going to mess up at least once a week. But I also know that whatever I'm providing for her is going to be better than what's being provided for her in a school where there's standards. It's like, hey, after you pass this standard, you get to move forward. You don't have to master it. You just have to be able to pass it. So those those feelings come from every homeschooling family. I mean, I've met parents with PhDs, dual PhDs, and they still say the same thing. Like, yeah, I'm kind of worried I'm going to mess up. So that's like a common feeling that we have. I think parents have that feeling too. Not even a homeschooling parent, just parents in general, like, I hope I'll mess this yeah, thing up. Exactly. So <laughs> it's a learning process. So without the structured homeschool thing where it's like, hey, we're gonna do math science right now, we learned how to interact with people. You know, like it was a new world, it was a new worldview because we're in these different countries. We don't know anything. Well, so I can't say that we, it was just completely unstructured. I would have her read up on each country we're going to. I'm like, okay. You need to learn some facts about the place we're going to. And I'm going to learn some facts because we want to make sure that we're not going into someone else's country and doing things that might be inappropriate. Like what's okay here in the U.S. may not be okay in other countries. So that was a type of learning she did where she got to learn about different cultures in different countries. And we were still doing math because we had to convert our money every single time we went to a new country. So that's like the math element. And every time we went to a place, I'd take her to a museum. So we always went to a science museum or history museum or art museum. And I would just keep like the little folders or, you know, the little pamphlets they, they give you when you go to these places. And I'm like, this is going to go in her portfolio. And I just kept those things. And every time we go someplace, I'm like, okay, you have to tell me three things you learned. And that'd be our, our day. Like, tell me three things you learned. And that was enough. And once we came back to the States and I got her back, like, I don't want to say on track, but once we started doing like more structured learning, I actually had her tested and she was above average in all the areas. So I'm like, okay, I'm doing fine. She's good. Right. And yeah. I mean, we still had structured days. It was still, you know, wake up, brush your teeth, about to eat and, you know, plan out our days. We just didn't sit down. I'm like, okay, it's time for you to do math. You need to do your math right now. And when you're done with that, you need to do read. And we read a lot. So there was always reading that was taking place. So those types of things were still learning experiences. Getting lost on trains. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many times we got lost when we were traveling. Um, luckily, my daughter is not as bad with directions as I am because we would have, <laughs> I don't know how we would have made it back to our room some days because she's like, no, we took that train because I remember it was green. I said, yeah, we took the green line. You're right. Yeah, You're right. <laughs> so um, it was just those moments, like life skills, learning how to navigate in worlds that we're not used to. Just like homeschooling. It's a world we're not used to. We didn't, I didn't grow up homeschooled either. So we, we learned how to navigate and we had to learn how to be up under each other all the time. It was just us. So nice. we had to learn how to get along yeah. all the time. <laughs> and if I could just speak to that, that's part of the programming that, you know, and that I'm trying to dismantle with the My World Red Child um, platform is just because it's white doesn't mean it's right. And oh, we, don't have to, we don't have to take up spaces in white spaces 
to feel accomplished. We don't have to uh, feel like we obtained a level of success because we are invited now or accepted now into white spaces. Like, no, this is not a separate or separatist like ideology, but it's like, I feel like we as a community have to celebrate and love ourselves first. Yeah. And it's not about being accepted. It's about us accepting ourselves as we are, whether we're light skin, brown skin, kinky hair, 4C, 4B, whatever. It's about us separating the uniqueness and the diversity that is the Black community in America. Points. Like, because it's just like sometimes when you're online, it just seems like everyone has everything together. Everything is just perfect. Um, and I was just saying, I struggle with how much to reveal about like on my personal page I review I talk about a little more but it's private because it's it's just it's nothing really on there but my kids you know (laughs) people would be bored if they went on my personal page um but on lab rascals I struggle with how much of myself and my family to put on there because partially I'm like people don't care about what you're doing they just want to know about the lab they want to know about the club and then the other part of me is like well people want to know the story behind the brand they want to know, you know, who this is and they want to see that. So I struggle with that. Um, but when it comes to the lows of homeschooling, um, we are we are definitely struggling with my six-year-old. Um, he is not a fan of English or phonics or reading. Um, he's really, really good at math. He's really good at science, um, engineering, building stuff. But um, we haven't really found a good we haven't really gotten our groove when it comes to phonics and English and reading um so we're just constantly trying new things um and we just started him in like one-on-one tutoring because we're just really trying to trying to help him thrive and then you know as a parent sometimes it's, it's frustrating because they just it's not that he just can't do it sometimes it's just he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't enjoy it but it's like, it's reading. I know you want to let your kid do what they want to do, but reading is not something you say, well, they didn't really want to, you know? So, so uh, we definitely um, struggle with homeschooling, but at the same time, we understand that um, even if we send him back to school, if he doesn't enjoy those things, then it will be worse because he's not going to get one-on-one. He's not going to get the curriculum being changed the because of him it's going to be this is what it is so you know it's frustrating as a parent because sometimes you feel like you're failing your child you know if they're not thriving when it comes to reading and things like that but at the same time we know that we're every single day constantly working on it um so I, i think that's part of being a good parent is just not feeling like your kid just has to be where other kids are and not comparing and being okay with your kid going at their own pace as long as you're doing something every day right do you feel that way like it just kind of worked all the way out <laughs> it did i'm like it, it worked out i was like she has to be homeschooled and i was already frustrated with the school system anyways but also with her doing that it pushed me out of a little bit of my comfort zone so i was already teaching online but i was still working at a school and I was also working for an online tutoring program and I also had private students so I was juggling all of this stuff and 
And this was to pay bills, like just to pay bills. So I'm juggling these four jobs, making sure that I can provide for her. And when she said that she wanted to be homeschooled, I had to, that's the part I had to figure. I'm like, well, how do I turn what I'm doing now into actual income so I can support us? And that's how it ended up where we traveled for a year because I basically sold everything we had. If I couldn't sell it, I took it to Goodwill. And when we were traveling, I saved a lot of money because I wasn't spending money. I wasn't paying rent. I didn't have a car payment. I didn't have all these extra bills that I was used to, I was borrowed down with. So as time continued, I was like, okay, like teaching online can actually be lucrative. Like I can actually make a living uh, off of this. And that's what I started doing. And then from there, I was like, with homeschooling, you know, we're always looking for resources to help supplement our child learning or just even full curriculums. So I'm like, let me go get some workbooks, you know, to supplement work. So when I'm not, I can't teach, here's a workbook. And that's why I started creating workbooks because I'm like, there's a whole there's lot nothing. of, there's <laughs> a lot of gaps. Like, there's so many gaps. And I'm like, I'm putting all this stuff together to teach it to my daughter. But I have people ask me, well, what's your resource? What's your resource? I'm like, I just put it together myself. Right, so it's like, myself because ain't nothing out here. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, let me make it available to you. So the next time somebody says, what are you using? I can be like, this is what I'm using. Here you go. Um, because it, it is, it's still like, even in the homeschool community, it's still like, as far as history goes, it's still that yeah. whitewash. Yeah. And I would say science too. Look, we just going to keep it real. <laughs> I, in, in those areas, it's still presented the same way it's presented in schools. Like here's the resources, here's the curriculum, here's the workbooks. And then you're bringing it into your home and you're teaching it to your child. And there's so much that's just, missing yeah yeah, so, yeah. I, i've been putting i've putting her stuff together for years and i was like this could be something that people want and mm-hmm. that's kind of where i'm at now because i've been teaching online for now 13 years and i think about that like oh 13 years child white when i see these platforms i'm like you could have came up with a platform 10 mm-hmm. years ago and then retired <laughs> right now <laughs> um yes it, it makes me look at things differently so i'm always thinking about next like what's next even now with her being 12 and i'm thinking about high school i'm like i have to start keeping a a portfolio for her i want to start um, doing the transcripts for her so if she decides to go to college all her stuff is going to be ready and i'm not going to be waiting until the last year to try to scramble and put all this together to prove that she knows stuff